Welcome in, Impact is on. We're, we're back together. Luke Sloan, Trent Valley, Brennan Shabath, no illness, no injury, and a hell of a lot of Christmas spirit. We're back together. Bang, bang, bang. Three for three. Hell of a lot of Christmas spirit is correct. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling jolly. So That's an understatement, I, by the way. Yeah. I am as well. I'm in my, my ugly Christmas sweater. It features Clark Griswold. And I have my hat on, and it jingles. Let me... Yeah, if you hear any if you hear any bells, you know, throughout the show, just disregard. Yeah, Luke just is enjoy just it. Shaking his head over there. Every at time, all of our takes. every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> what movie? Shake that thing. What movie is that from? I'm gonna guess that's from like All Dogs Go to Heaven. It's from It's a Wonderful Life, the greatest <laughs> Christmas movie of all time, in my humble opinion. There you go. We're we're very festive today on the Impact Your Zone podcast. Your home for Michigan State men's basketball coverage, analysis, opinions, and everything. We got a ton of games to talk about here, but we're in the Christmas spirit. We have a Christmas party that we're going to get to right after the show is done today. So, both of you, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Yes, my mind is completely, uh, full disclosure, my mind is just on presents, eggnog, Christmas carols. Yeah, school. What is that? You have your you have festive shoes on as well. I do. I do. I have my elf slippers on because I love it. Like five below, can't beat it. No free ads. Yeah, no Sponsor free us. ads. No free clout. Brendan, you know we talked about this on the last episode, and it's okay because you know we're all accepting here. But I'm no Christmas sweater for you. Got them back at home in Metro Detroit. I'm I'm honestly ashamed of myself. No, it's I'm, it's, it's I'm it's embarrassed fine. right now. But yeah, no, yeah, we talked about it last time. I'm a huge. Christmas sweater guy. My mom's coming up this Saturday, though, uh, so hopefully I can. I'll, I'll ask her to bring them. I've got five. I got to get my sixth. I got to get my one for this year. We'll we'll, we'll head to the Okemis Meyer pretty soon and, and take Okemis a look Meyer. at their their stash. This hey, is before a, we go any yes, further, real quick, absolutely. we do have to wish Brendan oh a happy my birthday. Gosh, I almost forgot. Yesterday happy was birthday, Brendan's twenty first birthday. Big twenty one, baby. Thank you. Thank you very much. Tell, was, tell everybody what you uh, what you up to for your twenty first birthday. We, you celebrated it in style. We yeah. Trent and I know all about it. Well, I, I I think I could you could say I celebrated it in style. I don't know if it was successfully in style because so my <laughs> girlfriend, my roommate, and I we all drove up to Mount Pleasant Soaring Eagle Casino. Great casino, um, fantastic, and not place. even. Not even that you have to be 21 to be there. You only have to be 19. But I just have always wanted to go to the casino. And I was a little upset. There were no in-person hold'em tables, which is my... Oh, if we had a buzzer, I would I would sound it. Exactly. That's my, that's my go-to game. I was really looking forward to getting in a cash game and sitting there for an hour or two and losing a bunch of money. So instead, I decided to lose all my money at blackjack and, <laughs> and slots. So I made... You th- did win. I made $30 off a one-slot machine after putting in 20 and the rest of it was just like lighting money on fire. <laughs> you see, Brendan, they were they were following me around with a trash can, and I was just dropping change out of my pockets. That's what it was. Brendan turned twenty one just in time because it is a big week here for the WDBM family. We have our Christmas party tonight. We have the end of semester celebration on Friday, as well as a big time broom ball match Huge. against the state news. So if there's any time for you to be legal, now is the time. I, I would agree. I, I, it felt like forever to get here. You know, we had some, we had yes. some trouble in uh, that that acclaimed state of Indiana. Oh yeah, and crossroads uh, in America. Indiana's are basically our second home. So yeah. yeah, and we no longer have to worry about that. I give you credit no, though because you um. 
Trent and I, we celebrated our 21st a little bit deeper into the pandemic. Mine was also on a Wednesday night. So yeah, Wednesday night further in the pandemic. So you got that on both of us. So to that, we'll Bir- give you birthday being we'll on a Monday little... wasn't great though. I mean, I true the three of us went, I invited like eight other people, but everybody had the Sunday scaries, which is understandable. You know, Correct. I, I get it. I just yeah. chose to ignore them. The Sunday you know, scaries. <laughs> the thing about the Sunday scaries is that when it's your when it's Brendan Shabbat's twenty first birthday, come on, it's got to go drop gotta, everything gotta go and you go shake them off. There are plenty of cures for the Sunday scaries. We don't need to get into all of them, but you find one of them. The bells are ringing here. Find one of those cures. Maybe pray to an angel. You know, there's more that just com- got its wings. There's more angels getting their wings right now. Sloan is just a hive for angels yeah. it's just they just keep churning it's, them out it's christmas it's christmas it's the holidays we're pumped up but what a time to be alive michigan state is 2-0 and since the last time we had a podcast brennan is now legal he's ready to roll had yeah. a hell of a time on his 21st birthday party it we're having a christmas party tonight we're decked out and we have two michigan state wins to talk about the first of which is a 73 to 64 win over the Louisville Cardinals. There it is. Not Louisville. 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 We had some trouble with that in the last podcast. I will right? say trouble with a snap. Trouble with say, the pronunciation. A, a, a big focal point of our night prior to tip off there was the two uh, famous people in attendance, Jason Benetti yes. and Jay Billis, who I went down and met on the floor. Friends of the podcast. Turns out. I found out later from someone who was watching the broadcast, those two say Louisville. Louisville? I knew Bill has said that. I didn't know Benetti said wow. that. Wow. So I have some people on my side. You do. You know who else says it? The GOAT himself, Greg Gumbel. Who is the GOAT himself? I yes, can believe it. Another friend true. of the podcast. Louisville. Voice of March. Every, every, every selection Sunday, not everyone because they haven't been making it all these years now, right. but for, for the whole Patino era, it was Louisville. Louisville. Number, no, the number two seed in the East region is Louisville. Louisville. We'll start with those Louisville Cardinals. That's how I like to pronounce it. Their leading score in 19 minutes was L. Ellis with 22 points. He just went bananas in the second half of that game. Strong name, by the way. L. Ellis. E.L. L. The the first two letters, yeah. East Lansing Ellis. East Lansing Ellis. He is East Lansing Ellis after that performance. Dre Davis, he had 15 points, and Malik Williams had 10 points for Louisville or Louisville. Either way. (laughs) Michigan State won this game by nine, but really for large stretches of the second half and even toward the end of the first half, it was much more of a Spartan lead. Oh, someone so who who Whoa. appeared? Did we have so, did we have a guest star it, it appearance? Was, I'm looking at the box score. It was the auto ESPN? I think it was video Billis. Play. It was Jay, Billis. our friend. Yeah. For Michigan State, the Spartans were led by 15 points from Malik Hall in 24 minutes, 11 points from Max Christie, and 10 apiece from Gabe Brown. And Jaden Aikens, Pierre Brooks also got a little bit of a run in that game, which was interesting. A.J. Hogarth, nine points in 22 minutes as well. But we all predicted a win against Louisville. So we all expected this to happen. But I would say, and Trent, I'll kick it to you first, I didn't think it was going to be this convincing. Like I said, it was only a nine-point win on paper, but they beat them more than that. L. Ellis just went off and probably made a, a bunch of threes. It was Pro- kind of a backdoor probably a situation. 15-point win in principle. I agree. But, I mean, I didn't – did you expect it to be that much? We all predicted a win, so. I forget what my exact prediction was. I can f- I can find that I think right I had now. a somewhat close game, probably single I think digits. we all did. I know the, I said 76-70, and you guys were pretty close. Okay. So, I mean, so to answer the question, honestly, no. However, I will say the fact that they won so convincingly was very convincing. It was that. 
Um, this team is for real, and we can get into the big picture stuff later, but I was not expecting such a sizable, dominant victory over Louisville. It was basically wire to wire, so you got to give them their flowers for that. I do have our predictions. So, the Louisville game. I predicted 74-70 to Michigan State. Brendan predicted 76-70 to Michigan State. And Trent, oh my goodness, he got it pretty damn close. 71-63 Michigan State. Oh. Okay, so I had eight points. Eight-point so, game. Yeah. Trent got it pretty damn close. I yeah. give him a lot of credit. But, Brendan, you had a six-point win, so you were in the middle of both of us. Does How much does it speak to this team? Because Louisville might be a little offensively challenged, having some shooting woes of their own. But, you know, you can pencil them in as a top seven seed. You know, they'll be somewhere in the mix, I'm sure. Top half of the ACC. So it's another impressive resume win for you know, one of the toughest schedules, if not the toughest schedule in America. I think what it really speaks to is Michigan State's defense and that they're for real. Uh, they got to the number two ranking defensively on Ken Palm before this game. And this was one of those games where Louisville's not a great scoring team. They've got a couple threats, a couple transfers. Malik Williams, a guy we talked about. Noah Locke, a guy who got absolutely shut down by Max Christie. And that kind of leads me into my point is that, you know, this was a game that I was kind of putting a pin in to pay attention to to their defensive rating and defensive efficiency, and they kept it up. They forced 16 turnovers, held Louisville uh, 41% from the field, uh, sub 30%, actually 26% from deep. Um, Cardinals only shot 63% at the free throw line. That's not going to win you very many games either. But the thing, too, that surprises me, we got another interruption have, here. This time it's Trent Ballard. This is horrible. Who was that? It's the ESPN website, yeah, dude. It, they it just you, 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 video. If you go make... to a box score, it just brings up like an ad and starts blaring it. I yeah. just Sorry. muted my computer, so they won't get us again. The same. Sorry, my Brendan computer. was rolling. You're making a great point. My computer is usually muted. I made that mistake as well. But um, <laughs> the, the, thing that, the thing that surprised me in this game was that Michigan State, we've talked about it all year, and it's been better uh, since the Toledo game at least, um, lost a turnover battle here, 19-16. to 16. Forcing 16 turnovers is still going to win you a lot of basketball games, but giving the ball back 19 times is never going to help. A lot of those came in that early part of the second half where Louisville kind of came back in it for a little bit, and then Michigan State obviously went on the big run, and that kind of sealed the game right there towards the middle part of the second half. But 16 turnovers is a big one for me. And then obviously Noah Locke, 0 for 7 from the floor, 0 for 2 from deep, 0 points. Uh, three assists. Didn't have any turnovers either, which is a bright side for him, but I think that really the speaks Max Christie yeah, effect. to yes, Max sir. Christie, and that was one thing that I didn't even really notice, because I think the Louisville game, when Izzo mentioned it in his presser, was when everybody kind of took note of who Max Christie was guarding, and people, Christie didn't have a great game either. Um, I mean, 11 points is pretty good for him, but other than that, not a whole lot. Only two rebounds, uh, one assist, three turnovers as well, but you know, Izzo got into the presser and said, I thought Christie did a fantastic, perfect job on Noah Locke. And I was like, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. Locke was 0 for 7 and only putting up seven shots, beating their leading score coming into the game, averaging 13 points per game. That's fantastic for Christie. And then we'll get to it later, but he did a fantastic job against Ryan Rollins for Toledo in that game. And, and Rollins ended up having a good box score, but not when Christie was guarding him. But yeah, it really spoke to... Michigan State's ability to defend and and to me was kind of like okay this team is legit. I don't know if they'll hold that number two, you know, top three defensive ranking all year, but I think they're a lock to be top ten all season defensively. Trent, I want to talk about this strength of schedule because obviously the second of the two games we're going to get to Michigan State winning both of them obviously is Toledo, so not some juggernaut, but this Louisville game and then you have Baylor 
and then you have Kansas, and then you have UConn, and then you have Loyola Chicago, and you have Oakland coming up. The strength of this Michigan State schedule is, you know, I think Brendan will probably have a number on this, but one of the best, if not the best in America, Tom Izzo really can't name a team with a better schedule, but I know that this classic Michigan State team is to always play a tough schedule and make your way through it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I've been very impressed with what this team has been able to do with such a difficult schedule. They competed with someone like Kansas. They competed in stretches with someone like Baylor, beating teams like Loyola, Chicago, Louisville, UConn, you know, other teams like that. What do you think of – what are your overall thoughts on how this schedule has been as Brennan does have the number? Uh Second strength of schedule in the country, Who third non-conference strength of schedule. Uh, that is not easy to find on this website, but I'll get back to you. <laughs> no, I, you know I feel bad because I keep challenging you. I'm like, wait, number, wait, number, yeah, Brennan, wait. figure it out, Brennan. Alabama, who we haven't talked yeah. about yet. Ionia, because well, Iona they lost to, but Ionia. also I just said Ionia, but also Gonzaga with a big, a convincing win for Bama too. Yeah, that was a real. That one really surprised me. I made sure. Gonzaga, I made sure. Frauds. You, you know, you guys know me. I've got the the Shabracketology calendar, and I I put that game on. And even though it was uh, conference championship Saturday, I made sure uh, at halftime. I think it was of the Michigan game. Flip it over to Bama, see what's going on. And then obviously that Michigan game was a blowout, so I just was watching Bama until the end. But they looked really good against Gonzaga. They're the they're the only other team in strength of schedule ahead of Michigan State. How about this though, Trent? I mean, you got to be. It's got to feel good and a little extra boost of confidence going into conference play in the NCAA tournament, knowing, damn, this team's already freaking battle tested. You alluded to it. It is one of the hallmarks, one of the many hallmarks of. Michigan State basketball is the non-conference schedule. Tom Izzo will die on that hill. He would rather his guys face a little adversity early on. You kind of get your teeth kicked in by Kansas a little bit in the first game, and then you know you kind of go on a roll from there. You play in a hostile environment like Hinkle Fieldhouse against the Butler Bulldogs. You come away with a convincing win there. Then you go, you know, the the, the battle for Atlantis. You kind of get a little bit of everything. You get tight games, and you win one, you lose a couple, whatever the case may be. But that's just like you say, Sloan. That speaks to the to the strength and schedule here because as you roll into the Big Ten play, that's when it becomes more physical than basketball-oriented, in my opinion. And then when you move into the tournament in a couple months here, you are completely battle-tested in all all facets. So an interesting question just popped in my head. All three of us were in New York at Madison Square Garden for the Champions Classic and the opener against Kansas. It was a hell of a time. The city treated us very well, and we got to see a matchup of two very good teams. Correct. With how Michigan State stands right now, after a number of other tests, beating Louisville, beating UConn, beating Loyola Chicago, competing with Baylor, if we were to play that, if we were to all go back in time, give this Michigan State team that shot against that Kansas team, would Michigan State knock off Kansas at this point, or are we not ready to go that far yet? It'd be a closer game than 13 or whatever it ended up being. I, that's what I yeah, completely agree I think, on. I think, I think the the one change I would make is that State goes into halftime either tied or with a lead instead of down seven after that three-minute run that Kansas had at the end. Yeah. State was back and forth, had a lead a couple times. In same that thing happened half. with Baylor, actually, yeah, too. Yeah, exact same thing, really, is, is they couldn't close out the half properly in both of those games. And I think that probably changes. Ochai Abaje, though, in the second half was – a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Michigan State, even though how good they are defensively, they still played pretty well that game defensively. 
87 is probably the most they're going to give up all year, if I had to guess. I would also say, not to cut you off, but knowing what we know now, I think Christie would be guarding him, and it might be right. like it's a little. It bit might different. be it might be a dogfight. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think Christie is already probably who was was it Brown was I on? think Gabe Brown was yeah, guarding, and him. I think I think Christie has got some time on him too. I think Christie is already a better defender than. Brown and he's for the best sure, defender he's for the, sure I mean, a better defender than House on ball. Aside think, from Bingham, yeah. yeah, Bingham Bingham's gonna do the most stats Rim and protector. have the most effect. I think Tyson Walker. We still have not seen what he, he's gonna have a game. I think where he has six steals soon, probably. You know, and and we yeah. still haven't seen what he does. He's he's a great on ball defender too. It's just a lot of the guys he guards are not the scorers. You know, he was guarding Dewan Wright for Kansas, who is not gonna score at all this year. Basically, he's just mm-hmm. gonna be a facilitator, a true point guard. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think Christie probably guards Abaje, and that changes a little bit of it. But I think where Christie succeeds defensively is because of his physical attributes. I think if this kid can have a defensive mind, right now I think most of his focus is on his shooting and on his his offensive game. Once that comes around and Izzo turns his attention to the defensive side, I think it can be scary because I see it with him. There's the raw talent and skill and the physical attributes, but a, a couple mental lapses here and there, watching the ball, a guy cuts back door, I've seen a couple times, stuff like that, maybe – hedging too hard on a screen or forcing a guy too far to the wrong side and stuff like that. But, yeah, the, if they play back that Kansas game, I, I think that's the one thing I would change. The end of the first half is closer, and it's probably a five-point victory, i say, for Kansas. You know, five or less would be my guess. I don't know if Michigan State can still pull off that win. The shooting and the turnovers in that game were still yeah. subpar. I mean, Hogard going off for 17 is big, and I think if yeah. we ran that back and he was able to do that again – and get more contributions offensively from guys like Bingham, guys like Christie. I mean, Christie shot, what, two for ten, one for ten in that game? Yeah, not good. Uh, had like six or eight points or something like that. So, not fantastic, but this is still a, a really good Kansas team, and despite the loss to Dayton, they're beating all their opponents from what I can see by double digits. So, so I kind of want to put a cap on non-con play, because obviously there are still some games ahead. Oakland, with, Oakland's not a game that—go ahead. With all respect, yeah. Uh, o- Oakland's the one to watch out for. Oakland's a sneaky good team, 47th in the net, 16th in RPI. But, you know, with with all due respect to the remaining non-conference, yeah, we're pretty much yeah. done with that. That's why I wanted to ask you this question, Trent, and Brendan will all take turns— because, obviously, this is also the start of Big Ten play, so this is kind of a nice time to close the door, at least partially, on one part of the schedule. If you had to rank from one to three the best non-conference opponents that Michigan State has played, we've seen a number of them in person, like Butler, Louisville, Kansas when we were in New York. Now that we're obviously starting Big Ten play on Wednesday against Minnesota, what are your top three? And then, Brennan, you'll have yours, and I'll give mine. I think it might be at least obvious in my mind who's number one, but that could create some debate. I would say Baylor number one. I would say Kansas number two still. And I get that third one is tough. I would probably go Louisville, but I think UConn, Tom Izzo's high on UConn. So, I, I think mean, UConn's there, very good. There's something to be said about that. They play some defense as well. Correct. And I, I like Hurley. So, I, I, I would say UConn then. And we were talking, Trent, you and I, before we started recording. Michigan State is one of three teams in the country to have played four quad one games already. Uh, two and two Butler's in those still games. still a quad one game? I don't think so. I think it's Kansas, because the, the, they're two and two. The two losses are Kansas and Baylor. I think it's probably Louisville and UConn. Yeah. yeah. UConn has to be. the UConn's 11th in the net. Uh, Loyola I think Chicago could be. 25 in Ken Palm. Loyola Chicago, depending on how they do. It could go down that's as a quad one win. That's the benefit of... 
the net and one thing that I've really taken into account since like getting to college and like rooting for other teams in sports is like, oh, you know, we look better if this team keeps winning because we beat them. And I think that UConn win and the Loyola Chicago win, I think is pretty obvious that they're going to run through the MVC pretty easily this year and probably win that conference championship. And even if they don't, they're likely going to get an at-large bid. Drew Valentine, Lansing zone. Yeah, but um, UConn, I could, I could easily see keep winning. They're going to have a tough battle in the Big East. It's going to be just like the Big Ten, like I've mentioned before. They're going to cannibalize each other, and they're going to lose a couple games they shouldn't and win a couple games they shouldn't. But I think that UConn win for Michigan State can really pay dividends in the end as far as the net goes and quad one and quad two and – Blah, blah, blah. It, it'll look good, I think, in about two months. I'd go with Baylor as my one as well. With Kansas, number two, but not the, an extreme gap between one and two. I mean, Trent, I know you were really impressed by Kansas. They have a lot of depth. They seem always to be there. Big 12 is kind of eh this year. I know there's the Dayton loss. UConn would probably be my three, and then probably you know Louisville after that. Are you kind of in lockstep, Brendan? Yeah, I think... Do you give Loyola Chicago think, a little bit more credit? I think UConn is above Louisville. I think they're the third one, and it, it doesn't really matter. But Baylor, Kansas, I could go back and forth. Baylor's really good. I just don't know if their strength of schedule kind of matches Michigan State or Kansas. I mean, nobody matches That's Michigan true. You State, haven't really. seen as much. Yeah, and, yeah. and we saw them in that tournament, but I don't know if VCU's the standard VCU this year uh, that Baylor played. Arizona State is probably not going to be – um, as good as many people thought, they lost to who was it? Cal Baptist or Cal Fullerton on that buzzer beater in the Cal State the f- Fullerton, I th- I think my cousin went to Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, Jeff. But go um, whatever they are, they're I good mean, at baseball. Other than the one point <clears throat> buzzer beating loss on neutral floor to Dayton, Kansas has beat every team by ten plus. Yeah, and they've looked really good doing it. And Abaja has looked fantastic. And Dewan Wright is just what they need. And Remy Martin's starting to come into to the fold. And Christian Brown has been a huge surprise for them. I've seen, you know, it's funny. Every time that we uh, cover a, a, an away team, it seems like they're all of a sudden in my Twitter feed a lot more. And, um, you know, we, we had some discussions about Mike Woodson in Indiana. And I had a couple interactions with Indiana student media on Twitter earlier this year. And uh, ever since covering Kansas and tweeting about Kansas, I've seen a bunch of Kansas stuff. And the Kansas the people, robots. the Jayhawk Twitter that I have seen, love Christian Brown. Absolutely love him. So, Well, then I love him for them. Yeah. yeah. Good but, for them. No, I agree. But I, 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 think, I think you could honestly flip-flop those two. I know Kansas has a loss, but uh, Baylor hasn't exactly played the toughest schedule either. So Kansas just whips teams. Yeah. I'm kind of a sucker this year because every team Michigan State's played and, you know, especially like Butler, like after the Butler game, I was like, damn, Butler is going to have a hell of a year. They're going to be really good. I was like, they're going to be a great team. I know, Trent, you agree. Well, they, yes. got, they got injuries now, too. They got three guys out for their next game. Oh, that's tough. Even like Toledo, I'm over here talking to Trent on the broadcast. and like, Toledo is going to be really, really good. I'm just trying they to. Might. I'm just trying to pump Michigan State's schedule up so much. I, I probably, except for Western, because they suck. But every team they've played, yeah. other than like them, I've been like, damn, they're good. High on them this year. I'm, I, am I a sucker? That's the question. I don't well, think so. I mean, let's but... just, well, we all are. I mean, I am at least, hand up. No, we all I are. will say this. I, I, not to beat the dead horse, but Sloan, I, the reason I would say that you're not drinking the Kool-Aid, whatever, whatever you want to call it, 
is because they factually do have a very, very, very difficult schedule, and they have looked impressive as all hell. They're seven and two. I I would have been surprised if you told me a month ago, two months ago, I'll say, because I we started to get to go to practice and stuff in November, mm. and I was surprised in practice. But if you told me two months ago that after this non-conference schedule, Michigan State would only have two losses, I'd probably pick out Kansas and and a battle for Atlantis game. But I would be pretty surprised by that. I mm. I, I think. Uh, when we went over our projected records in the first episode this season, I don't remember specifically, but I probably pegged Louisville as a loss that they should win or something like that. Um, I probably pegged one or two in the battle for Atlantis, Kansas, I'm sure I picked. But, yeah, going back to my point on Baylor, too, Michigan State's the best team they've played by far. It's really not close. Michigan State's 19th in the net. They haven't played anybody else inside the top 70. VCU was 73. Okay. Um, I will say, though, we're going to get – to see uh, in about a week here, December 12th, Baylor plays Villanova. Oh, boy. Um, that's going to be exciting. At home. So Jay Wright. That's, that's on. Trent's brother runs the Jay Wright offense. The calendar. Yes, yes. Shout out Brock. Brock at, coaches at eighth grade basketball at Granville, and he's got a play called Nova. Yeah. <laughs> Nova. Nova. <laughs> I will not disclose what no. the play is. Their opponents Another might be Another good listening. team to watch out for, too. I'm not out on Nova yet. Go Cats. I thought you were going to say Granville. I'm like, Granville. you cannot you gotta look out <laughs> can't on sleep on Granville. Can't sleep you can't sleep Oy. on him. Couple of quick hitters on Louisville before we turn the page to Toledo. First one would be Malik Hall. Fifteen points in twenty four minutes. Brendan, you and I talked about this on yeah. the broadcast. Yeah. You have the Seton Hall game. You have the shooting stretch that he had that was decent last year as a sophomore. You have the Loyola Chicago game where he scores over 20 points. And then you have a game this year which bucks the trend of those first two years of a good scoring performance after a good scoring performance. He didn't have one in year one. He didn't have one in year two. This year, he has had one. Do you think his scoring punch is here to stay? He's shooting it's, the ball awfully damn well this year in all three areas. Is, I mean, it's, yeah, it's crazy. He is. It's re- and he really worked on his shooting this offseason. And it's just it's just the thing, though, is like shooting to me is so hit or miss as far as predicting. Like, Ask Joey Hauser. I mean, like, he hasn't. Right, like, we know Steph Curry is going to shoot well this year. Yeah. We know Kevin Durant is going to shoot well this year, you know. In college, though, in particular, there's just so much other factors on the court, off the court, in the locker room, with the media, so much other stuff going on that can really affect, you know, a young kid's psyche like that. You know, I think Malik Hall is probably, what, a year older than us, same age, or a year older than me, same age as you guys? Like, yeah. you know, he can get phased just as easily as you and I could doing messing up a call on the broadcast, you know? On the cast. It, so it, it's it's so hard to say. I It looks like it's here to stay. I just don't know how much he's going to get. It's kind of like the discussion about, now I'm not equating the two, let's slow down, but it's kind of like the discussion that arose when Kevin Durant first went to the Warriors. Is, There's only one ball. Right. Does this mean who's Malik, gonna, does this who's mean Malik Hall is Kevin Durant? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it. I equated Troy Weaver to God on <laughs> crunch time earlier this year, and now I'm equating the 2021 Michigan State Spartans to the 20. 15 Warriors? This has got to went there? something up. When KD Holy. went there, it yeah. was 16 17, Six, was okay. his first yeah. season. This isn't. So, go but, ahead. But it's just, there's so many other options. It's There's still such a huge benefit for Izzo if Hauser can get going. Bingham is still going to have to keep doing 12 and 8, 12 and 9 a game. So they're going to have to get him the ball. I think 
Um, Izzo wants Walker to score more. Gabe's going to have to get his shots. Aikens is a guy who is really going to find his own shots. They're not going to run a whole lot of plays for him, but Aikens is a guy who Izzo wants to get involved more. Julius Marble, we haven't seen really that much the past two games, but he had a fantastic first six games for Michigan State. And another guy who Izzo pegged as someone we want to get more minutes and get more shots for. So I don't know if we're going to see this much volume moving forward from Malik Hall. And I think the reason we saw that much volume against Loyola Chicago was because a lot of other people went kind of quiet. And like I've said, ad nauseum, that's the advantage of this Michigan State team is four guys can go quiet and you've got two others who can have a decent game and one have a really good game and they're still going to come out with a win. And that's pretty much what happened with Bingham and Hall against Loyola Chicago. So the, the, the thing that just bugs me about it is I was really happy to see him do that against Louisville. And that was something we talked about, whether he was going to be able to follow that shooting performance, and he did. You, you can't just make one more shot the rest of the battle for Atlantis tournament after going nine for nine and just kind of shrug it off as, as you know, something weird. But that but that's also what I talked about with the psyche. Three games, three days, at a literally in foreign lands, at yeah. some different— at In a hotel. In a, yeah, in a hotel ballroom, you know. The yeah. ceiling shoot, is about as shooting, high as when we have in here. Yeah, right? like a, a, you know, a high school setup type stadium gym that they have there. It's hot. I'm not surprised. The floor if, is always wet. Right, that he, was pissing me yeah, off. Yeah, if he did that for the whole time. It really was, yeah. <laughs> I was I was pissed. People were slipping Left everywhere. And right. Especially Left Hogard. Right. It was yeah. ridiculous. But, so, I don't know. We'll see. I think he can do it. It's just a matter of if he's going to get the shots. Let's turn the page to Toledo. The back end of Michigan State's 2-0 record since the last time we have taken the floor on the Impact His Own podcast. Not the uh, Battle for Atlantis floor, though, because we'd be slipping all over the place. All three of us predicted a win in that one. I predicted set or 87 to 69. Brendan predicted 85 to 75. Yeah. And Trent predicted 91 to 74 with, in quotations, <laughs> respect to the Mac. And of all Love of the us, Mac. Brendan, you were the closest with 85 to 75. A couple particulars about Toledo. They were led by uh, Ryan Rollins, 21 points. Milner Jr. had 17. And Ray J. Dennis had 13. Ray J. Ray J. Ray J. Hell of a name. That's a hell of a name. Yeah. Trent and I were on that broadcast, and that was a lot of fun. I did enjoy that. That was a I did enjoy that. I'm not a broadcaster. Everyone knows that. I, if you even listen to my analysis for about five seconds, you can tell I'm not a broadcaster. But it's a lot of fun. I had a good time. That I was think a blast. Brendan wrote a great recap. It was a Thank fun you. little switch up. Roll reverse. Yeah, great it video. It, it was just great coverage wall to wall. Yes. Michigan State side of things for Louisville. The Spartans were led by the aforementioned Max Christie. 14 points in 28 minutes. Kind of a breakout game. Gabe Brown, 12 points on 5 of 14 shooting. A lot was made about him. We thought it was a little bit overhyped for his performance in that game. Marcus Bingham Jr. had 10. A.J. Hogard had 10. And Jaden Akins had 9. But Max Christie and Trent, this was something that you and I kept talking about. The shooting numbers were not great, 4-14 overall, but 14 points to lead the team and had a couple more go in and once again was good defensively. Another building block, I guess. Yeah, he started the game 0 for 3, and then I think it got even to as bad as 1 for 7 or something like that. So if you're Max Christie, and, and honestly, if you're Tom Izzo, you just want that dude to keep shooting, that's all it is. And I think that's the biggest thing with, with a freshman. Brennan, you talk about losing your confidence and how shooting, there's just so many factors. I don't see that from Max Christie as much, which is a good thing. I see Max Christie as a guy who's just going to shoot the ball. And, yeah, like you say, Brennan, it's either going to go in or it's not. It's quite simple, right? 
It's a make or miss league. Yeah. But um, I, I was very impressed with what he did in that in that game. Just by from the sole standpoint, look, he got to the line, he hit a couple threes. You know, he got to the lane, he missed a couple there, but he just. I'm starting to see it from him, and it's the perfect time as we roll into conference play. But, you know, Brendan, I'll let you get your thoughts on Max Christie, but I also want to talk about the depth of this team because there were five yeah. scores in double digits. There were five different guys who had a three, I think, or a- six. Aikens was right behind with nine points. Exa- Aikens and all his points were on threes. Yeah. So it's just this team is really starting to take form. The rotation's really starting to take form. And I think Marcus Bing, like, it, it, it's it's interesting to me because – any single guy you talked about about Malik Hall could it could be his night. He could be the leader any given night, right? But all, it could also be Gabe Brown. It could be Joey Hauser. It could be Max Christie. It could be Tyson Walker. This team is so deep that I think your MVP so far is Marcus Bingham because he's been the most consistent. He's been the most consistent, and he's been your best rim protector. Yeah, it's not even close. And yeah. double digit into, scoring and almost rebounding in every game. Yeah, with three blocks. Right, and and he, uh, I think. Was I think it was Louisville? He led the team in steals that game, and I think he yeah. le- he leads the team in steals uh, per game right now. I think he's three tenths of a point ahead of, or three tenths of a steal, I should say, ahead, ahead of, Tyson. of Tyson Walker, which is like crazy because yeah. Tyson Walker will steal the basketball. I know Max they're both they're both over a steal per game balls. right now. Yeah, but also trying to back up your point, seven different Spartans hit a three that game. Okay, which was huge, and yep. it looks like one, two, three, four of them had more than one. Pierre um, Brooks hit one. Yeah. Exactly. I mean that's all you got to know, right? Yo, Pierre. Marcus Bingham hit one. Yeah, it was that was that, that was, was a fun game first, to watch in terms of, of three point shooting. That was a fun game to yeah, watch. Yeah, and that was I mean they shot forty six percent after shooting fifty six percent against Louisville, both above season averages, which I've said before, and that's really exciting to see. And another game coming up, you know, Minnesota on the road. A hostile quote unquote environment. Minnesota. Minnesota is undefeated right now. They're predicted to be pretty low in the Big Ten. It'll be uh, uh, we'll, we'll ben find Johnson. out. We love Ben Johnson. We'll find out on probably tonight. If for those of you listening at home, um, as we record Tuesday night, the night before the Minnesota game, but the the Toledo game for me really, like you said, Trent spoke to the depth of Michigan State. Only twelve turnovers. That was huge. A couple things I didn't like, and, and again, 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 I'll say it. That's the advantage of this team is that. Gabe Brown goes 5 for 14. Max Christie goes 4 for 14. They both still get to double digits, but everybody else played fantastic. I don't think anybody had a bad game. Right. Some some people just had better games than others, but nobody had a bad game. Tyson at 11 and, and 6. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and Tyson had zero turnovers. Yeah, I mean, we'll take it. But between Aikens, Tyson, and Hogard, there were only three turnovers, and they were all Hogards, and he had 10 and 4. Plus, so, yeah, I mean, you got Malik Hall leading the team in plus and minus, two steals. and he yeah. had... Four points, a block, a steal, an assist, four rebounds. Right. Plus I mean, there's, minus there's, of twenty. Yeah, there's there's bright sides left and right to this game. The the one downside for me was Gabe Brown going zero for zero from the free throw line. I mean, Toledo had eighteen fouls in the game. Michigan State had seventeen, but Toledo had eighteen fouls in the game. A bunch of them in the second half. There was a stretch of five minutes where it seemed like they were just fouling almost every possession. Dude, and the press. I mean, yeah. they were just pressing the shit out of people. Like that was insane. Oh, I know. It and, was, and and it, the the last four minutes of that game took about forty. Oh my god! Yeah, you were and, writing the recap, so right, right. it gave you time to get it helpful done. to me. Yeah, but I'm also. It was also like Toledo was. They just kept hanging around eleven, and they were like three possessions away from all of a sudden it being like a six point game. So I was scared of writing this recap, and then boom, boom, boom! Toledo scores three baskets, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> 
But, um, yeah, Brown's got to get to the free throw line more for me. But, yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about was Ryan Rollins. Seven for 22 from the floor, one for seven from deep, four turnovers, 21 points. Game high 21 of, of any player. And that's who Max Christie primarily guarded. But it was it was really not close. A lot of times, especially in the second half, Toledo or Michigan State would switch Christie off of Rollins, whether Toledo was doing it on uh, screens or Christie just wasn't on the floor at the time. I noticed that a lot. But after the first half that Christie had on Rollins, I really paid attention to that matchup. And he was shutting him down. I think in the first half, I think all of Rollins' turnovers came in the first half. He was one for seven from the floor. And that one three he hit in the game was at the buzzer of the first half over Jaden Akins. So Christie just absolutely shut him down. And, and that's like we talked about with Louisville, too. He did it with Noah Locke. He did it with Ryan Rollins. We'll see what he can do uh, tonight, tonight, quote-unquote, against Minnesota. But, yeah, that was a, another bright side, too, was, was Christie's defense and Michigan State's defense overall. I think Ryan Rollins plays in the Big Ten one day. Really? I think so. Good size for we'll a come guard. Dakota kid. I think he I think he could end up going to a place like Northwestern, Minnesota. Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska. I think he I think he moves up to the power. I could five. see him at Northwestern. That's pretty Good close size to home. for a guard. Can go both ways. Yeah, Northwestern. Toledo's already close to home. I mean he's from Macomb. Michigan State, perhaps, in the future? Mm, possibly. Who knows? He's probably, catching eyes. Probably past our time, but... True. Like, like, like I, I agree with you, but I, I see him as like a grad transfer guy. I agree. You know, it, it's time. It is time to have the Jaden Akins conversation. Yes. Let's he, do it, dude. He was third on Michigan State in minutes in this game with 24, scored nine, and all of a sudden, I mean, he, had, he led the team in rebounding with seven. Nine and seven in twenty-four minutes, and all of a sudden, game in, game out, he's getting you eight to ten points. You know what? He could have hit double-digit rebounds if he wasn't trying to put back dunk everything. Yeah. That's my yeah. only. That's my only gripe with him. He's so athletic, so that, bouncy that he'll get up there and he'll just tr- that, he'll he'll just like pin it against the rim. Oh, I know. And it's like, dude, grab it, come down, and go up. I was I was making note of when I was writing my recap. I said, ex Michigan State players reached double figures. Uh, and I said, including slash with Jaden Akins, and it was either going to be with including Jaden Akins, who had a breakout game and had 10 or 11, or with, or with Jaden with right Akins behind. following behind with nine. And he had that, that one right at the end of the game, two and a half minutes left, and the ball came right uh, on the front of the rim, and he went and tried to put it back and, and just left it a little bit short. But do you, if you make a putback dunk, do you get both a rebound and a basket? And if yeah. you miss, you don't get either? If you, if you, Well, it dep- I, I think... You get an offensive it depends if, if you the I know for one of those he got a rebound I know for sure okay the one where he pinned it against the the rim I'm not sure if they gave that to right him. right I don't that's a good question you dude. I have no I feel idea like you should still we need get a, we need like we need an officiating expert yeah. that can just like yeah. chime in like on the national Eric broadcast Bach. call Eric Bach yeah he'll no I know. do know for a fact that yeah I mean like a putback dunk is an offensive rebound yeah but I, if the miss that's interesting but yeah he's been such a big surprise he was one of those guys who I thought was going to be kind of like Pierre Brooks this year, who's going to get some surprising minutes and key points in games and not really a lot, probably six to eight minutes per yeah, game. And like be, Amadi Sissoko type yeah, from last be, year. You know who be it, developmental. You know who Jaden didn't surprise? Our I, boy Luke. I yeah. was just going to say, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot, toot, toot. I am on record on Impact His Own episode one of this season saying Jaden Akins, he might play some more minutes. This team needs another guard. 
It might have been after Kansas. I kind of doubled down on it, even though he had a terrible game. And Brendan and I almost got into a fist fight when that happened <laughs> because Brendan said, "You're out. Of, you are out." Of, to quote Stanley Hudson, "You must be out of your damn mind." <laughs> Boy, are you out of your mind? Because I'll help you find it. <laughs> but uh, to me, it's not necessarily surprising. But where would this Michigan State team be without Jaden Akins at this point? Steady contributor. Obviously, they'd still be winning, in my opinion. I was going to say, But he's a yeah. piece of the puzzle. Yeah, that's, that's... Well, I mean, his best game was against Baylor, you'd probably say, right? right? And they lost right. that game. So that's an interesting dynamic, though, Sloan. Like, he has been a very steady contributor on both ends. This team has damn good yeah. depth. You yes. pull, and, you pull and, Marble off the bench as your backup five. You pull either one of Hauser or Hall off the bench, depending on which one starts. You pull Hogart off the bench. You pull Aikens off the bench. And then even Pierre Brooks, who is starting to play four to five minutes a game, not even to mention Suzoko. Mahdi. This team has got damn good depth. Yeah, and I think, you know, Trent, you talked about it. A huge surprise, which I, I, I think even, Luke, you probably didn't see coming, is that is Aiken's rebounding ability. A, a million and percent. Izzo has got to freaking love it. Yeah. Because last year yeah. the wings and guards did not rebound at all. So he's got to freaking dig it. And and it's 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 something that, you know, maybe if you brushed the sand off, you could probably find in the dirt. But he, it's it's it all just stems from his athletic ability. He's, I I would argue, the most athletic player on the team. I think Gabe, I don't know who would be maybe Gabe. That's maybe it. Gabe or Tyson. Marcus. No. <laughs> no. No. I love Gabe, Marcus. Gabe, but no. Gabe is real close, but Gabe also has the natural advantage of just being long and tall. Yep. And and Aikens has to make up for that, make up for his height disadvantage with his calves and his feet and bouncing. And I don't. I, that's one thing that I didn't see coming was him using his athletic ability to his advantage to get rebounds the way he does. I mean, every time he gets one, he's head and literal head and shoulders above the other defenders jumping up to get the rebound. He's he's Westbrook-esque in that way. Yeah, it like really he is. really is to, to be a guard and the rebound that well. It's and, impressive. And, and, and you know, this is a technicality, but it's I think he's more under control in a lot of what he does than a guy like Westbrook, you know. Yeah, and, well, and, yeah. and and other players that yes. do tend to play that way too that are that, you know, short buff and wide and, and super athletic and fast, they can be out of control. And, you know, Westbrook is the template for that type of player. But I think Aikens is a lot more He's in very control. smart. Yeah, he's a really very smart player. He's a really smart player, which is something that I didn't pick up on when I watched him on, on film and stuff coming into Michigan State. And that's been a huge surprise. And it's worked out well. And I think it's going to pay dividends moving forward. Exit Amani Bates, enter Jaden. I wanted to bring that up too yeah. before we completely yeah. move on from the Jaden Akins conversation. About this a little on I mean, Saturday. I mean, I don't. It's I don't, early. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to slander either. And we don't want to rue this we, day. You know, people in this city, in us included, have bones plural to pick with Amani. The day he committed, it was an electric podcast. Yeah. though. the three of us were shot out of a cannon. But it. it I just you, you you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I think I forget who mentioned it. Maybe it was oh I don't remember what it was on Green and White Reporter on here. Someone pulled out uh, the Penny Hardaway name. It might have been you, Luke, as a an overrated coach. 
Um, and you know, I I, I hate to say this, but I it probably wasn't me. It was probably Slowick, I think. That's, it, prob- that's it probably it probably was because I was like, ooh, Penny Hardaway's got LB and Sheed on his bench. I was yeah. like, wow, <laughs> they're that, gonna be that, great that, this year. The whole it's not even just Amani. The whole situation over in Memphis is really weird. With dude, it's just know, so Dur- painfully obvious what they're doing. Yeah, and, and, and they're paying recruits. Jalen Duran. Yeah, Jalen Duran. Duran. And they've got I forget who the other guy's name is. They've got somebody else who's. Who they some High weird level. and and Hardaway too is to some, me some strange veterans like Landers yeah. Nolly who was at Virginia Tech who's just there and doesn't his role right. is weird. They're and, weird and and Hardaway strikes me as a coach who would be good for those young hype recruits who want to be one and done but at the same time wants to do things his way and that's not exactly the perfect fit for those type of players either. So it's Plus, weird down there. Bates, I think he can't be one and done because he's only 17. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh-oh. But uh, it, it, it's weird down there, but I, I have been less than impressed with um, Amani right now. Now, Aikens over Amani, that's a that's a whole other conversation. But for, we'll Michigan, do a whole pot on for Michigan State, I would say yes. But overall, just as a basketball player, I don't know. Let's turn the page. Get to some predictions before we get into the college basketball bonanza, which is everyone's favorite segment. This will be Trent's first college basketball bonanza, but let's get into the Golden Gophers, see if we can go 2-0 before the next time we record a podcast. The Minnesota game is on Wednesday. The Penn State game is on Saturday. We will not be in attendance at Minnesota, even though we would love to see former host of this show and great friend of all of ours, Julian Mitchell, Julian, we're sorry. We would love to be there. We miss you very much. You're going to make a guest appearance with Natalie Kerwin on this podcast. Yes. So don't be too sad. Nevertheless, the Golden Gophers are off to a great start this year under first-year head coach Ben Johnson. 7-0, and so a perfect start to the season. The, this game is at the barn, Williams Arena. It should be a probably a good crowd, I would assume. Nice atmosphere, so that'll be something to look for. The Golden Gophers are led by forward Jamison Battle, who averages 18 points per game, as well as a pair of guards, Peyton Willis, who averages 17 and a half a game, and EJ Stevens, who averages 11 points a game. Sean Sutherland, another guard, goes and gets nine a game. This team can can go score the basketball a little bit. They shoot the three at 36%, decently, decent free throw shooting team. But this Gophers team was picked to be in the bottom half of the Big 12, probably Big 12, Big 10, probably still will. But this game is on the road. They have some scores, and they're improved under Ben Johnson. So how do we see this playing out for Michigan State? I guess the one big thing that the Gophers have going for them is that they completely shellacked the Spartans in Minnesota last year. Yeah. And I that guess is, that that that, the, might, that Michigan State is going to want to avenge. Well, that. I, that, that's oh, what I was going to say is oh, Michigan State knows that it's a completely different team this year, and I expect the Spartans to win by fifteen or more. I've got a big, big, big win. Really? I'm on the exact same wavelength. Tom Izzo kind of peppered that into the end of his press conference on Saturday after the Toledo win, and was kind of like, "We were flat out embarrassed with how things went in Minneapolis last year." Obviously, you know, we don't need to break down Minnesota too much. You know, they have some scoring. They're off to a decent start this year. I mean, 7-0, and they've got four or three double-digit scores, and Sean Sutherland is at over nine points per game. I'm with Trent on this one. Though. I think their reality check is coming. 15-plus. I think the Big Ten won't be great to them. Still a 
team, a young, or, well, not a young team, but I mean, a lot of guys playing in the Power Five for the first time. But I, I, I see this the same way as Trent, a lengthier win for the Spartans. I can agree with you guys. I, I'm just hesitant to do it just because of the sport that this is, and it's college basketball, and you know, you never know, especially on the road, especially on the road. Um, first it'll conference it'll be game. Their first conference the game at home. Caucus is back. And and I will say, you know, I think I'd be more inclined if Minnesota doesn't beat Mississippi State yesterday. They beat Mississippi State yesterday, eighty-one seventy-six. Okay. Um, that's a pretty big win for them. That's the their best. Mississippi State was the only other team inside the Ken Palm top one hundred, actually top fifty. They were ranked forty-six. Um, that Minnesota has played or beaten this year. So that's pretty good. They don't turn the ball over a whole lot. Uh, top 20 in effective field goal percent defense. Top 60 in just adjusted uh, defensive efficiency. Second in the country in three-point defense. So they do a lot of things right. Uh, and most of it is on the other side of the ball, except for turnovers, obviously. But that's where I'm, I'm really surprised, to, or not surprised, interested to see how this matchup plays out because Minnesota doesn't turn it over Michigan State does, and also Michigan State forces turnovers a bunch too. So how, like, what's the dynamic of that going to be? And it's so cliche to say that, you know, whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win this game. And that hasn't been true a lot for Michigan State this year. But I think turnovers are going to play a huge factor. Um, Minnesota, 36% on the year from deep, not the best. I think that's going to be an advantage for Michigan State. I don't know how well they're going to shoot on the road. The first uh, true road game of the year. Um or true Big Ten road game of the year, I should say. They already played uh, at Butler. But, yeah, I, I, I would say 12 points, probably similar to the Toledo game where it's 12 points throughout the entire second half Double or digits. So. Yeah. Can yeah. we talk about the lack of depth on Minnesota? That's another thing, too. This I saw this on Twitter. Shout out Kyle Austin who tweeted yes. this. And Their live. starters play 83% of the minutes. We talked about just a few minutes ago this Michigan State team having depth. This could be a situation, I don't want to make football comparisons, but in football, like high school football, you know, if it's if it's the playoffs and there's one team that plays everybody both ways and there's another team that has just doesn't two platoon and has starters at every position, 24 or 11, 22 guys on each side of the ball, you, you run them off the field. This could right. be a situation where Michigan State runs Minnesota off the floor. I think their depth is really going to bother Minnesota for sure. And we'll definitely – I wouldn't be surprised if the first half is close and Minnesota hangs with them and that depth doesn't really start to become a factor until the second half. Um, I think that's a, a path for this game to take where it's surprisingly close and maybe low scoring in the first half. Michigan State is a little bit slow to get off the mat and get out of bed and um, – get adjusted to the, the road environment. That's what happened last year. The different sight lines of the basket and whatnot, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, I think the fact that Michigan State can play, gosh, 11 guys if they want to is really going to hurt Minnesota. Let's get final score predictions on the number, starting with Trent. <sighs> wow. I'm going to go 74, 74, 58 Spartans. Nice defensive performance. Yes. Brendan. Interesting thing that I just noticed here. Ken Palm, my favorite website in the Of course. The Ken Palm universe. Don. <laughs> the Ken Palm Don. Ken Palm, believe it or not, has this game as a five point victory for Michigan State. Okay. Mm. So I think I think 
Ken Palm too. You got to you're you got to be you got to be an on brand guy here, right? With your final score prediction, but also I Ken think Ken Palm Don. I think Ken Palm gives a lot more credit than I would personally to Road Atmosphere, which is fair, and I think it's that's the whole website is statistical based. You got to pick so and choose which arenas got, that's actually a thing. Yeah, in. he's got yeah. he's got the numbers for it to back it up and stuff. But I I think it's going to be more than five. I would say twelve. I'm going to do. 78-64. Another team held below 70 points for Michigan State. I'm going to go with 77. I did that math wrong. 78-66 is what I meant. <laughs> I was, I'm was. i doing math in my head right now. Right. This I'm going fun. to go with 77-63. to 63, A 14-point win for Michigan State. So you've State. got, what did you say, 18? Uh, 18 16. Points? 16, 16 yep. 14, 12. 74, 58. I got a 16. Point we, have, we have all the numbers. This is, well, this is, this One is, of us will be right. This is classic our beat is I'm always the most pessimistic. Trent's always the most optimistic. And I'm yeah. very much in the middle because yeah. that's just kind of – I just live in the middle. Right. Sloan's toe in the line. I live in the, the deep line. water too. Keep chopping. Chop yeah. life. Relentless. Let's look at Penn State as well. This is Saturday. We'll spend a little less time on this because it's a little further in the future. But Brendan and I will be on the call for that one on WDBM. Trent will be in attendance as well with the game story on Impact89FM.org. We'll be back in attendance for this game. The Nittany Lions are led by forward Seth Lundy, a returning player who scores 15 a game. Sam Sessoms, a guard, another returning player, scores 13 a game. Jalen Pickett, a transfer from SIE, averages 12 a game. Obviously, Josh Hara is still there. He averages a double-double, 10 points and 11 rebounds. He'll be a force in the middle. And Miles Dredd is still their sixth man per usual. Much like Minnesota, with first-year head coach Ben Johnson, Penn State has got first-year head coach Micah Shrewsbury. We were able to see both of them at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis, and we are friends with both of them, and they're friends of the program. Shout-out Ben Johnson and Micah Shrewsbury. But how do we see Penn State playing out? A team historically tough on defense. Shrewsbury, the Purdue coach coming over, they pride themselves on defense. There could be less points in this one. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be lower scoring, but I do think Michigan State is head and shoulders better than Penn State in every way. So, you're right, Sloan. It, my prediction for that might hinge a little on what we see in this Minnesota game. But given Michigan State's depth and, and honestly, their defense as well as Penn State's, yeah, I think it'll go, I'll say like 61-52, maybe a 9-10 point victory for the Spartans. And very low scoring. Low scoring. I, Hard fought. I think there might be a lot of points at the end, put it that way. I'm in a similar nature. I'm going with a 69-52. To 57 Michigan State win. Wow. Low scoring. Yeah. 12 point game. Once again, it's the beginning of, of Big Ten play. I like Penn State, I think, a little bit more than Minnesota just because they return more Big Ten experience with guy, guys like Lundy and Sessoms and Dredd and Josh Hara. And, and Shrewsbury, you know, I think. He's another guy who is coached in the Big Ten in the past. Every time you say that, I think of snozberries from Willy Wonka. <laughs> That's what I think of. Schnozberry. Anyways, sorry. Now that we are completely off the rails. Yeah. Brendan, we've made our predictions. All Yours, right. sir. So picture a tree with a long limb extending out. Where is this going to go? I love pictures and I love trees. hanging on the end of it because right. I, my entire life, and we do these predictions. You're I going always, out on a limb. I always them to yep, lose. Yep. No. Whoa. Slow down. But. I, I, I always try to be nice and safe and be right, and I am – no, not this time. I, I've i talked about before the um, 
color aspect of each team's team sheet on KenPom.com. And it's either a lot of red or a lot of green or a little bit of both. But red, bad, green, good. You look at Penn State's, it's a lot of red. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. sit at four Ah. and four right now. Haven't beaten anybody better than them. All their wins are outside the Ken Palm top 200, except Oof. for one where they beat Oregon State. Uh, they whooped up Oregon on them, State. though. They beat, God, them, by, they beat them by 15. And then you look at what they do statistically. Uh, don't force a lot of turnovers. Turn the ball over a lot. Free throws, not good. They don't do a lot defensively as far as blocks or steals or dead ball turnovers. Nothing special as far as three-point shooting offense or defense. Just you know, outside the top 80 in both offense and defensive efficiency. This game's at home for Michigan State. It's a Saturday where there's no college football. There's It's the first Big Ten game um, in Breslin Center of the year. Uh, my parents are going to be there. My aunt and uncle are going to be there. My girlfriend and her roommate are going to be, be a there. celebration. Yeah, there's, there's you know a bunch of people showing up to this game. Michigan State, this is the limb. Scores 85 in this game. It's going to be their most points scored in a conference game all year. Penn State, 65. Okay. Big win. Blowout win. Run out of the gym. The only reason. I love it. I'll be be the optimist this time. You know what, Brennan? I I can't, like, disagree, honestly. I'm still going to stand by my prediction. But, like, what I – the reason I give Penn State credit is solely just because of the Big Ten and like what history says. I, th- right. They're not any good I mean, this also, year. They haven't beaten anybody. Also, you're too, exactly right. Also, too, I kept this secret from you guys. Uh, Penn State is 348th in ad- adjusted tempo. This okay, year. so they, they are slow. So it's gonna go. That's slow. I plan for really, a three and a half. Tell your girlfriend and family to plan for a three and a half hour game. Right. And I really well. I I just really don't think playing that slow is going to help you at all uh on that green and white floor so you know the zone's going to get up in your grill michigan state defense is going to get up in your grill first year coach you know uh, a decently experienced roster but i just there's a lot of ingredients here that could lead to a nasty recipe for penn state all right so we have Michigan State all winning in both these games. Another 2-0 and o for each of us. We will see if our predictions are right. But we have about five minutes left in the podcast today. I obviously mentioned that the Christmas party is coming up soon. I have to go pick up some delicious cottage in pizza. No free ads. So no free fi- clout. Five more minutes so I make sure that the entire Impact 89FM family is fed. But it is time. For the college basketball bonanza, formerly four-point play. I was going to say, we do need theme music. Yeah. We need, this, we need, we need your, a producer. It's like, no, this. it needs to be like carnival music. Yeah. Like bonanza. You know, bonanza. It's like a, this is yeah. Trent's first bonanza. The He's CBBB. Only, Trent's only the known C- the four-point play. He was a little under the weather last week, so we couldn't make it. I was. Welcome yeah. to was the rough. bonanza. Yeah, this is the bonanza. It's similar to four-point play, but basically that we're not limited to four points or plays or scores or anything. We it's, hate the number four. It's just whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the um, bonanza is on the clock. Yeah, one thing I really want to talk about, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it, is Gonzaga. They I lose, just don't know. They lose. I, Trent, we know how you feel. I know. Oh, and, yeah. and, he's he's and got and a we smile know how, on his we face. We know how I feel. They lose to Duke. They lose to Bama. I will say. Nato, it's both, my cousin Vinny. Both on neutral floor. But where... Where do you guys sit? And I'll, I'll update you guys where I sit. Where do you guys sit on Gonzaga right now in the college basketball landscape? 
four seed in the NCAA tournament. Ooh. Wow! I that see. I'm, I'm not low. even. Gonna, I'm not going to go that low. But I definitely. They're not a one seed this year. I don't think so. They have not passed the eye test whatsoever to this point. Um, I think the win over UCLA was wildly overrated. That's the night that we all started talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. I uh, no. I I'll, I'll say I'll say Gonzaga is like a top ten team. So we'll see where that lands them. They could be a two seed. They could be a high three. But I've got a. I I'll say they're they'll be a top ten team. But they won't be higher than like six. Okay. I might be dumb or something, but I see them losing to St. Mary's once this year. I could see that as well. <laughs> I I, I am really. I just have dug myself into a hole. Sloan loves the. Oh no! Yes. You know what? Can I? Somebody can I hit re- record. Can I redact? Four seed and maybe think about like a two or three seed <laughs> borderline. Dude, top I think 10 I, I think team. it's safe to say two or three. I, I they're not gonna be a one seed. They can't do enough yeah. to prove that at this point. I don't think they. The thing for me is they had a really great non-conference schedule, but when you actually look at the numbers, strength of schedule. Yeah, uh, it didn't turn non, out non-conference one twenty-two. Yeah, so it didn't mm. it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to whatsoever. Now, mind you. The, all those wins are going to pay off. Texas is going to be quad one. UCLA, Duke, uh, those are going to be quad ones. Losing to Bama is still a good loss. Alabama's, I won't be surprised if they're a top 10 team this year. Javon Quinterly is a awesome. lottery pick. Yeah, he is. I went back and watched because I was bored the highlights of that UCLA Bama game in the um, whatever region that was final uh, last March. And I forgot how good Javon Quinterly is. And he looked really good against Gonzaga, too. The only other standout game for, for the Bulldogs as far as non-conference is Texas Tech, who, as yeah. a first-year head coach, not as good as they were with Chris Beard. Guns up. Right. You know, I was just going to say, Texas Tech could be, I guess, a quote-unquote trap game for them. You look at the rest of their schedule. They, I mean, BYU is no slouch this year. San Francisco's 28th in the net right now. Pepperdine. Okay. No, yeah. so that's stuff to watch, Brandon. Like, okay, so what do you think? I, what do you, I, What's your final, like, gun to your head? What do you think? Yeah, I would say I would say a three-seed. I won't okay. be surprised mm. if... I, mm, Three seed doesn't. I would say the first three seed because that would be okay. top ten. Yes, that that's what I'm nice. thinking. I'm thinking like that anywhere from that six to ten range. They could right. be. They could be a two, right? If they start rolling teams like they did last yeah, year, and if they go undefeated in the conference, yeah. then they're going to be a two seed. But I don't think that's going to happen. Which is it's it's so I I just don't know what it is. The Duke loss is is totally forgivable and believable. Yeah, and understandable. It's a close game. One of the games of the year already. Yep. Um, fantastic. And Paulo Boncaro played great in that one. And you know, sort of the other guys for Duke. And Duke's a pretty deep team, and that's what paid off for them. Whereas Gonzaga, they've got pieces, but it's it's Nemhard, Holmgren, and Timmy. And I think in the Duke game, Holmgren had foul trouble, and Timmy wasn't quite working as good as he should have been on Anthony Williams. And right, stuff. and that, that's and, your measuring stick for what the tournament's going to be like. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I was really surprised with how Timmy played against Texas and UCLA. But in Duke, he wasn't quite the same. And I didn't know if there was going to be a team that was able that was going to be able to shut him down this year. And I still think he's probably one of the top three bigs in college basketball. But I've just been – I was really surprised to see them lose to Bama like that in that fashion and – it really it was close. I mean, Bama was up eighteen, and then it was like a two point game, and then they ended up winning the game by what, I think it was uh, nine. They win, and yeah. they they were up I think twelve with like thirty seconds left or something. Yep. You know, ninety one eighty two. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I think I can remove them from my way to early Final Four, which cool. was who was it? It was Purdue, Villanova, 
Gonzaga and did I Syracuse. Say- <laughs> <laughs> Baylor. No, it wasn't Marquette. Baylor. I had Baylor. Kansas. I think Kansas was my honorable mention. I had Kansas it? in. Maybe I had Baylor. Did you have remember. Duke in? I'd have to go find Duke. I'd have to go find I definitely had Duke in mine. We'll um, Duke's the, good this year, man. Yeah. Check I re- hate it. They're check so some good. receipts. But you know who else is good? Who? Ohio State. The who beat Duke? Yeah, you know, don't, don't, say, to, don't just, say that. I just want to give a round of applause to Ohio State for finally validating my prediction that they would be yeah. good by beating the number one team in the land. They're trying to rebrand their school. They're a basketball school now. Oh right? no! Yeah. I, they, I just saw it moments ago. Still got to be Michigan. They hired Oklahoma basketball. State's defensive coordinator. So no, oh. but DC. Um, looking at the calendar, games to come, games coming up. Not a lot in the first few days. Uh, Texas versus Seton Hall is a game that interests me on December 9th. That will be a Thursday, right? If Saturday's the 11th. Yeah. Um, that's yep. at 630. Uh, St. Bonaventure, who I think has a loss this year, started this season. The Bonnies. The Bonnies. Yeah, love the the Bonnies. Uh, they're 42. Yeah, they have, they have one loss. It's to Northern Iowa, which is like a lot of people hear that name and don't know what that means. But if you see the logo, you'll recognize yep. it. That the, Texas the, A&M. Yeah, the yellow. Aren't they the purple, Panthers? Purple and yellow yeah, wildcats yeah, or something wild, like that. Yeah, it's yeah. some sort of wild animal. But, um, <laughs> and yeah, are you? Uh, some feral animal. But, uh, feral. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're um, uh, a really good team year in and year out. They only lost that game by 10. St. Bonaventure is a team to watch out for. They're probably going to win um, the Atlantic 10 if they really want to. And uh, they play. Let me get back to the tab here. They play UConn, uh, mm. same day as I'm our game for the Bonnies. Three thirty, three thirty. By the way, the I think that's going to be a game to watch out for. Fact check: Northern Iowa was the Panthers. You were correct. North, not okay. not uh-huh. the Wildcats. They got to figure their logo out though, because that does not look like a Panther. Yeah, but no, whatever. I knew it didn't look too much like a Panther, <laughs> but it was. It's like I said, some sort of feral cat. But, yes. Uh, also on the same day as Penn State, Michigan State, uh, December eleventh, Saturday. Arizona taking on Illinois. Arizona, I forget what I saw them in. Maybe it was the net, just overall rankings. Um, yeah, third in the net right now. Seven and zero. They have that big win over Michigan. Uh, they've got some other decent wins too. Um, they beat Wichita State. Uh, they beat Oregon State. They play Wyoming December eighth. But yeah, they play Illinois, who has been subpar this season, but looks a little bit better now. They, they got a nice win last Illinois night in, in Iowa. Yeah, in, uh, Iowa City. Yeah. Uh, a really funny tweet I saw last night from Brennan Quinn said, PQ. Uh, something, something, stop arguing about the injustice of the Heisman mm-hmm. and turn on FS1, the end of Illinois and Iowa's getting spicy or something, which we, I liked. We but were already watching I saw that tweet a little game three we, hours late, but. We were, well, I was going to, damn it, damn it. I was going to say, we were watching the game because we love college basketball. Right. No, I was, uh, <laughs> I was. We were already watching. I was celebrating my birthday by taking a nap because I only got like four hours of sleep. Happy birthday. Um, yeah. Cincinnati-Xavier rivalry game. Wow. The battle Bearcats for Cincinnati. And the Muskies. The Musketeers. Uh, also, December 11th. That's a later game. I'm going to watch that one. That's at 8.30. And then the nightcap for that one. Another really good one. Former Final Four team. And then my former pick to make the Final Four, my cousin Vinny. Uh, Alabama and Houston taking on each other at 10 p.m. on the 11th. That's to look out for. And then, so those are the games coming up. Taking a real quick look at the games in the past, just overall, we haven't had a, a whole lot of discussions about it. And I don't want to get too deep into it for the bonanza, but it is a bonanza. You guys have this calendar shared with you. I have no idea how much either of you look at it. I look at it pretty frequently. The tab, I look at it a fair amount. The, the tab doesn't close on my screen or on my laptop, I should say. But I have it set up where I have the date, the game, the time, and then the result once the game has been completed. 
and you know I have the games to watch. And then, you know, just the way college basketball works, some teams are better than expected, some teams are worse, and I don't really do it. So ahead of time, when I'm planning these games to watch and making my calendar, I'm mainly looking at top 25, top 50, Ken Palm, stuff like that. But, you know, results will sneak up on me um, that are surprising, and, and I have a tab here in, in the Google Sheet as other important results. Um, and I have this uh, calendar color-coded, so... You know, the month of November is orange and December is red and January is light blue and blah, blah, blah. But also, Wait, I, you say I, December was orange? No, November's orange. December's okay. red. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? No, December's Merry a red Christmas. month. Christmas. Would, would you yeah. agree with those month colors? November's orange, December red, January's light blue, like yes, a sky ice. blue. Yeah. And then February's <laughs> pink, obviously. Yes. March is green. Yes. Yes. March April, is April. I would, I would April's peg similar to January, a little bit blue. darker blue. Yep. Yep. A little bit darker. Um, June's pink. June's pink, July. I would go. I would go July like dark blue. July is like a navy. Yeah, yeah. And oh, then August. I, August is similar to April, that. but a little bit lighter. Yellow. <laughs> you got to put yellow in there. For where? Either September. June, July, I can or give August. you August is yellow. September. Yeah, like one of those hot okay. months. Yeah, and, and then maybe even September's like a dark like, orange September's, for one of them. September's like a like a burnt red for me, like sunburn almost. Ouch. Okay. That's good imagery. <laughs> <I'll> take it. <laughs> like a like a crimson. <laughs> I told her it's purple. The, it's be a purple. nice crimson. <laughs> Trent's just okay. All right, yeah, sounds right. good. Sunburn. But anyways, is there any? I, before we, I was just gonna yeah. say before we wrap, are there any games on this Tuesday night that we need to watch? This Tuesday is uh, no. There's nothing tonight. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. Nothing. Man. I was getting well, all well, actually. Let me. Well, on my calendar, there's nothing tonight. You sure me, there's not like Nevada? Let, versus... Yeah. Let me take a look at well, Southern and Kentucky. Texas Tech, Tennessee is actually kind of an interesting game in the Jimmy V Classic. Oh. That's probably going to be a Tennessee that win. On the shipwreck Rick Barnes. Because I'm out on Texas Tech, and I'm kind of out on the Big Twelve, obviously, other than Baylor and Kansas. We'll see how it develops. You know, I am in Rick on Barnes. Rick Barnes. Oh, I thought you hated him. No, I'm in. Also, he is kind of a bucket. Also, I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> going to just go home and watch college basketball because I have nothing better Some to do tonight. Some people have hobbies. I watch college right. basketball. Right. Uh, consult Conor your Robson. nearest cardiologist. Villanova, Syracuse, also going on in the Jimmy V Classic tonight. Woo! Um, but go orange. I, what the I, hell? I promise. I promise. The color conversation relates. I also colorize the results, and so whoever Wonderful. won, instead of putting like Michigan State W, eighty-two to fifty-five. I just put MSU, the score, and color that box in Google Sheets. And this is a very colorful sheet, obviously, because a bunch of different teams have won. But there is one color in particular, and I want to give a shout-out to this school that has come up a lot and is definitely the most used color. I'll say two colors, the most colorful box. Um, I'll give you guys a guess at which team this is that has come up the most on this calendar. Kansas. Kansas actually came up for the first time uh, December 3rd when they beat St. John's. Gonzaga. Kentucky. <laughs> the Boilermakers. Ooh. Oh. Black and gold. They Good have, in, in three games that I picked ahead of time to watch, they won all of those. And then they have two more games in the other important results uh, when they blew out Florida State. And we're a little bit close with Iowa. That's why I put that one in there. But, yeah, the Boilermakers, for the first time, in school history, it's a big deal. AP number one in the AP top twenty-five. Fantastic, it's Matt Painter. This is I'm telling you, this is the year. Maybe Matt the Boilermakers will make it. To the Boilermakers. Final four. I did final. We, we where, both predicted it's, that. It's uh, New, New Orleans, Orleans, right? New Orleans. New yeah, they'll, Orleans. They'll be New Orleans. they'll be down there wearing the beads, celebrating. Hopefully, we'll I, be wearing I would, the beads and so and 
down there. That'd be pretty cool for Michigan State. But if Michigan State doesn't go, I'm rooting for Purdue. Boiler up. Anything else to add before we wrap things That's up? That's it for I the will add a one pride. Shout out to the Lions for getting their first win. Oh. Did you hear the song? I jumped off I didn't, my couch. I don't know. Yes. The song, the song is phenomenal. so good. Yeah. It's awesome. That I was, did hear the song. Yeah. I was. I jumped I was, off my yeah. couch when they won. Yeah. Oh, my, that was unbelievable. So I was much. at the stadium. Started crying. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. I was, Absolutely I was perfect. ecstatic. That and was his... also, real quick, yes. sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. Oh, no problem. Shout out to WDBM's very own Henry Menegos. Resident Vikings fan Luke, you and I talked about it in yes, our the, our group chat ha. with the three of us. The first ever time I was on Green and White Report, I picked against the Vikings. They lost by one. Second time I'm on, I pick against the Vikings again because they're playing the Lions. Lose on the last play of the game by two. The they Lions. lose by two. The Detroit Football Lions. Oh my gosh! I'm forward thrilled. down the field. This this was this has been a hell of an episode. They're not going to lose a game now. No, yeah. You know that? You get you the know, monkey off your back. Now they're going to go beat Denver. I forget who it was. Someone posted it. It might have been CBS. One of the I think one of the It was the, CBS, the, yeah, the playoff map. The, the way that the Lions can get to the and it was we can like do it. 50 different results had to go their yeah. way, but We can do it. 6-10 and 1. So you're saying there's a chance. The NFC East has had worse teams go. Yep. Vikings oh stink. Gosh, Bears yeah. stink. Either way, this is a basketball podcast, and thank you for joining us on this basketball podcast. Yeah. We love hoops. Merry Christmas. We love hoops. Merry Christmas. More Christmas episodes oh, happy to come, New too. Year. Merriest, merriest of Christmases. We're, we're getting after it. We yeah. we're, we got a Christmas yeah. party coming up here. Secret Santa gift exchange. It's going to oh, be electric. It's so secret, too. Tell a friend about I'll shut the, up now. Oh, did, you, did, did one of you guys get me? I did not. Okay, dang it. No. Tell a friend about the podcast, though. Tell a friend. And you can listen to us on tell Spotify. Your dog. Tell, tell two your friends. Dog, tell your cat. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, impact89fm.org slash sports, or anywhere you get your podcast. And we will be back next week for another Christmassy festive edition of the Impact Zone. And we will see if Michigan State goes 2-0 again, just like last time. We will see you next time.